Ladies and gentlemen, big round of applause for Collins Cappuccinos! <laughs> Barista competitions have existed since before you might imagine. There are people out there in the world who carry the uh, title of a world barista champion from as early as the 1980s. However, the year 2000 brought us the inaugural World Barista Championship, and the global coffee event category kicked open the door to a number of barista competitions that occur around the world. But those early days of the WBC did correspond with the decade of arguably the most dramatic way, uh, arguably the most dramatic changes in the way we buy, sell, consume, and talk about coffee in our industry's entire history. Through the decade of the 2000s, the World Barista Champion was in many ways the crown jewel of specialty coffee. But that was then. Now it's 2016. And in addition to the WBC, there are at least three different world championships for latte art. There are world competitions for roasting, manual coffee brewing, cup tasting, Ebrick, Chesva presentations, coffee cocktails. At one point, someone even thought it was okay to create a coffee throwing competition. <laughs> Oops. There's the newish uh, coffee masters competition. There are AeroPress competitions, siphon competitions. There are spinoffs and knockoffs of all of them and of all sorts. But are events like these on the decline, or are they as popular as ever? Well, that sounds like the makings of a debate. The proposition today is yes or no, barista competitions are dead. So let's wrap up today's Tamper Tantrum event with what I trust will be a fun and lively debate. Again, I'm Nick Cho from Wrecking Ball Coffee Roast in San Francisco, California, and I'm honored to be the moderator today for this debate. Uh, we have four debaters, two against two, for and against the motion. Barista competitions are dead. Our debate will go in four rounds. Our audience gets to choose the winner, and only one side wins. At stake is this. So we have stakes. It's not, not like Trump steak stakes. Uh, I have in my hand two Yelp reviews for an undisclosed coffee shop. The losing team will, because I'm the moderator and... They'll do one of the, my favorite things in my, all my life. They will each read one of the Yelp reviews in their best American accent. <laughs> Jen is an American living in Ireland, so we'll come up with a different accent for her if her team loses. And actually, we're going to have everyone vote right now. So get out your cell phones. Everyone get out your phone. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to text one, two, or three, just one number, one, two, or three, uh, one for agree, two disagree, or three undecided to this number, 814-923-0278. Text message rates will apply. I'm sorry? <laughs> one for agree, two disagree, three undecided. We promise you won't get any spam text from this number. We signed up for a special service just for this. Barista competitions are dead. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Or... Are you one of those kind of people? A little undecided, I'm not really sure. Green Party sounds great. Jill Stein sounds just fine. Let's just destroy the Republic. Who cares, I'll throw my vote away. 814-923-0278. If you are not from the United States, make sure you put a plus one in front of it. Make Ma Bell happy. Is everyone's vote saying everyone's looking up? Yes, anyone still need more time? All right, so voting, <laughs> so voting is closed. Jen, do you want to check to make sure the votes went in, just to make sure? He's cheating. And you can't vote Steve. That doesn't get you in the house. Right? That's right. 
Steve voted two, 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 two. Yeah? Yeah? I can see them. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to close it, close it yet. Are the systems set up? You can only vote once? Okay, great. Um, our motion is, again, barista competitions are dead. And from the team arguing for the motion, please welcome Colin Harmon. Big round of applause for Colin. Colin is, of course, the Irish Barista Champion for 2009, 2010, 2012, and 2013. He was third place WBC in 2012 and a three-time fourth place uh, finisher at the WBC in, in 09, 2010, 2013. Uh, Colin, what made you compete that very first time? Uh, probably following on from your talk earlier, uh, education. There was no structured education in place. It was the only way to learn, and off I went. Very good. Round of applause one more time for Colin. And Colin, who is your debate partner today? Uh, today, Nick, I've brought along Matt Perger. Round of applause for Matt Perger. Matt is the 2012 World Brewers Cup champion. He was second and third at the 2013 and 2011 WBCs, respectively. He is the champion 2014 Coffee and Good Spirits competition. And in 2015, he competed at the Coffee Masters competition. Matt, we have a question for you. What is the most interesting thing that has happened as a result of having your face as a sticker on the side of Malcone grinders around the world? Uh, that's a good question, Nick. Um, is it working? Yeah, it's not on. Now it is. Um, the most interesting one is the uh, prolific number of texts that I receive of that sticker in very inappropriate places. Um, <laughs> and I you think asked I'm... me to stop, I stopped. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm lucky in that the sticker only reapplies to something once and then it seems to lose its, um, its shtick. It's stickiness. So uh, that's probably for, for Not the if you make your own stickiness. <laughs> Very good. Round of applause, please, for our team debating for the motion. And just who would we pit against these two coffee juggernauts? who could possibly be so foolish as to challenge this dynam dynamic duo, let's meet them. From the team arguing against the motion, barista competitions are dead, maybe introduce a round of applause for Mr. Stephen Layton. <laughs> Hi, Steve. Hi, Nick. Stephen was a coach for Colin Harmon in 2009-2010. No, he wasn't. I was there. <laughs> he was a coach in 2011. Uh, for another competitor, is MC the WBC from 2013 to 2016? Don't know anything about that. SCAE UK National Coordinator for 2014 and 15. Steve, what is the most challenging thing about MCing the World Breezy Championships for you? Um, there's a few things that kind of make it difficult. I, I'm scared of doing the Miss Universe thing, of getting the wrong... And in first place is Matt Perk. I mean... <laughs> Aww, sick bird, dude. But, but no, no, I think the most challenging part is trying to maintain the same level of enthusiasm for the champion from Nicaragua as it is for somebody like, you know, Colin or Matt, who's, you know, one of the superstars of, of the competition and kind of maintaining that when there's not necessarily the same amount of crowd and stuff like that. Very good. And Steve, who's your debate partner? Well, I have, I, I kind of thought, who could I get who always wins an argument with Colin? 
And <laughs> well, my wife wouldn't come. And um, it's my esteemed uh, friend and colleague, Jen Ruggolo, who is the brains and the hard work behind Tampa Tantrum. Round of so. applause for Jen Ruggolo. <laughs> Jen has been a coach for World Brewers Cup champions, uh, our competitors. Um, she's been stage manager. She worked on staff for the World Coffee events for a few years. She was a and at the UKBC's works stage manager, and she currently sits on the what's called the Evolution Committee for the World Barista Championship right now. Jen, you're on that WBC Evolution Committee, which means that you must have some faith in future in the future of the event. But in the meantime, what can you tell us? We won't tell anyone else. Just between you and me, some of the secret sort of next plans for the WBC. Do you really want to know? Yes, tell us. Really, really. I don't know. And I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why I don't know. We have a plan, um, but we're really trying to listen to everybody and engage with them and making sure. So, like, you know, we made some small changes this year. We've asked for a lot of feedback. And so, yeah, we have a plan, but we're probably going to pivot quite broadly based on the feedback that we get from this year. So, real answer is I don't know. Sorry. Roder is so political. Yeah, very good. Anyway, everyone, round of applause for the team <laughs> debating against the motion. Now, this is a contest of fact and logic and wit and persuasion, each side getting to, uh, trying to get you to vote for their side. We've already had everyone vote here before any statements on the motion. Barista competitions are dead. After you've heard the arguments, we're going to have you vote a second time, and we'll look at the difference between the votes then. Uh, it's the team that moves up the most in percentage points that will be declared the winner. So it is a difference between the first and the second vote. Once more, our motion... Barista competitions are dead. We'll go in three, uh, four rounds. Let's begin with round one, opening statements from each debater. In turn, they'll be up to three minutes each. Speaking first, in support of the motion, Mr. Colin Harmon. Thank you. So this year, like many of you know, uh, the world of coffee came to Dublin, my hometown. We're incredibly excited about it. We had a wonderful week. A lot of the people that are here today were there. Everybody enjoyed themselves. Over 10,000 people flew in alone for the event and nobody went to the competitions. We had some of the best baristas on the planet being watched by more judges than they were audience members. Nobody cares. It's no longer the focus of our attentions. So this year what they did is they took away the announcements at the semi-final stage, and the result of that was that nobody turned up for the semi-final announcements because there was none. It was an empty hall. So what it sadly dawned uh, upon all of us that week was that people are more interested in the announcements than they are in the competition themselves. It's no longer relevant. And it's sad, it makes me sad to think that because I built a career off risk of competitions and that's gone. And when I got into coffee, there was always a person working in every cafe that had the gift of coffee. That person was seen as a superstar. And we would all try to learn the gifts from them. But as this industry has evolved the last five years, we've done a lot of work to see what they know and why they know that. So we've spread that through different channels, through education, through the internet, through forums. And now we realize that it's not down to one person. Nobody has the gift of coffee. And people that aren't the mouthy white guy at the top of the cafe uh, don't have to be the hero. That A quiet, reclusive person can also be an expert in their field. And that's an equitable industry that I want to be a part of, not one that pushes one single person to the fore and suggests that they have a gift of coffee, because that's not true. Round of applause for Colin's opening statement. And speaking first against the motion, Mr. Stephen Layton. Stephen? So I'm going to start with an in-joke of barista competition. I love 
barista competition. Those old dudes over there will tell you that the competition is dead. It's dead to them because they've had their fun. They've took the plaudits, the round of applause, the wonderful performances, get their give it up for the cappuccinos. They got their gigs working as freelance baristas. Their profile is established. So why would competition be any use to them? More to lose from it being relevant today for them than there is to be gained. We can think of the competitors that year after year compete, carrying on the, rep the possibility of ruining their reputation, of bad drinks, slipping backwards with their peers. The fact that the world champion never competes on again goes on to prove the school of thought that the competition is dead for some, but by declaring it dead for everybody, it seems like shaky ground to stand on. The competition brings us together. It has some relevance with our customers and can bring them together. Our home users who read the blogs like Dublin Barista, the 10,000 followers that follow Barista Hustle, the 1,890 Facebook page Barista Hustle. I checked last night. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, okay, I'm behind with that one. Um, all feeding from the awe of Barista competition. They believe that you have amazing knowledge and I know that you both do. Um, and maybe it's because they naturally trust you. I both know you both, so I don't. Um, but it's not just because you made 12 tasty drinks, but that's what put you into the, the mindset of you know, professional baristas and home users. Has anybody here ever been to a trade show without a barista competition? Raise your hand if you have. I wanted to kill myself. <laughs> I have a recurring nightmare of going to a trade show and being chased around with purchase orders from syrup sponsors and from paper cup sellers. I hate trade shows. The barista competition gives me a place to go and hide. It also gives me a chance to wear my red suit, which I don't get very much chance to wear in public because Colin doesn't let me. <laughs> it's also important to the chapters. I know you guys are going to look at it from a US perspective, but I'm going to look at it from a European perspective. Without the competition, the chapters would not come together. The only thing that they do is organize barista competition. I don't compete in barista competition, but I do love it. And were they to disappear, I don't know what I'd do. I implore you, now I'm gonna beg you to go for the motion of the barista competitions aren't dead. Try telling the 61 competitors this year in the WBC, try telling Berg Wu that the competitions are dead. It may be dead for some, but it's not dead for everybody. Round of applause for Stephen's opening statement. Our next opening statement, speaking for the motion barista competitions are dead, Mr. Matt Perger. Hello. Uh, Steve, you just mentioned that um, the risk and the reward is different for different people, and I entirely agree. Um, and that's one of the biggest reasons why um, I initially went into a competition was the potential reward of um, career acceleration, and that is the majority of why I initially went into the competition. Um, the risks to the reward were lower and the ratio was good. Um, as I started to understand more about the competition and as I um, moved forward in the industry, um, that ratio started to um, deviate quite rapidly from where it was. And although I believe that there have been rewards for people like Colin and myself, um, that those rewards are completely unbalanced for the majority of the competitors. Um, some people benefit from the competitions because they win it, um, and maybe the second place, uh, maybe the third place benefits as well. But once you get past that really, really tight, high peak of people who went very well in the competitions and you get onto the 99% of competitors that didn't win, the rewards for them are far, far less. 
you get some feedback from some judges um, who a lot of the time didn't hear what you uh, wanted to share or they didn't understand what you were trying to convey and the feedback that they give you is disappointing almost every single time. Um, and I've never coached a competitor who left the competition happy. Um, I've, I've left the competition happy because I felt as though I had a good result and I'm sure Colin did as well and a few of the people who have won have, but majority of the time that I've coached people, they've left sad and then the energy that that puts into them for the next competition is more of a revenge than it is uh, a healthy competitive spirit. They want to get back there and show those judges who are right, not do a better job. Now originally the competitions were a source of new information. They were the pinnacle of the coffee craft and people would watch the barista competitions because they could analyse them and see how those baristas um, were doing their, their best work. It was, a, uh, it was a very revealing moment for those baristas because normally they would do it in their shops and now they were doing it on stage. The competition has become so restrictive with completely understandable financial motivations to have sponsors for certain pieces of equipment. But those limitations mean that the baristas we, we used to be innovating and coming up with new ways to use different pieces of equipment and do exciting things, progressive things, and now those restrictions have become so great that the innovations that are being put forward in competition are nearly meaningless. And we're not interested in watching a competition where the difference between everyone is whose coffee story is about which farm they visited and the other difference might be that some of them froze their beans. Um, which is probably going to be what everyone's new innovation is this year because you can't change the grinder or what's in it. You can't change the espresso machine and the only things that your routine can be about is the coffee and where it's from and why it tastes the way it is. Um, it doesn't have any relevance to the actual job of the barista anymore um, in terms of normal service and it doesn't have any relevance to do with um, the actual innovations that are going on in the industry. Thank you. Round of applause for our final opening statement from the four team. And speaking against the motion breeze competitions are dead, Jen Ruggolo. Okay. Well, first I'm going to start with, you know, Matt, that's a really good point. But I also feel like all around here we're actually kind of talking about just one competition and there's not just one competition. As Nick elaborated earlier, there are many competitions at all various levels of the spectrum. So we'll get to that in a bit. But I did just want to point that out for everyone. It's not just talking about WBC. Okay, so let's go broad. Let's talk about human nature. That's what Matt did earlier today. And there are just some human things that we can't escape. Bias is one of them. Competition and competitiveness is another. Some scholars even argue that competitiveness is a biological evolutionary trait that allowed us to survive as humans. You know what else evolved alongside competitiveness? The desire for role models. We're kind of like lemmings in this way. We wanna know that something is okay before we go and do it. So back in the day, as these guys have explained, barista competitions offered a streamlined way to find role models within a global industry before it was so easy to disseminate ideas via the coffee internets and all of those blogs that Steve talked about and all of that barista hustle stuff. It may not have solved a vast majority of issues in our coffee industry, and even actually to this day, sometimes creates new ones, such as heroizing a set of skills or ambitions or attributes, but it still acts as a stage that allows ideas to spread across our communities, local or global. So yes, if the premise is that barista competitions are no longer a way to find a reflective role model of where our community is today, or to give uh, a reward of career acceleration, then yeah, maybe barista competitions in the old sense are dead. And you know what? That's okay. However, I think it's a real stretch, and I agree with Steve here, then, and downright untrue to say that they're dead altogether. 
Barista competitions, in addition to allowing us to tap into one of those most basic elements of human nature, have a new role to play now, building community. Because we're not just talking about one competition, as I said earlier, we're talking about all the competitions, from the lowliest throwdown up to the global spectacle that is WBC. I mean, just look at the ruckus and the uproar that happened when regionals were canceled here, the absolute outrage. And here's another thing too, they're an educational tool as well as a motivational one. You want to learn more about coffee? Preparing for a competition is a great way to force yourself to dig into one topic. When you don't do well or get critical feedback, even if you don't agree with the judge's feedback, don't you push yourself harder? So in closing, barista competitions aren't dead. They're very much alive and kicking. The mere proliferation of them is proof to that right now. But they're just serving a different purpose to the ones that it did when you were both competing. And actually, that's kind of awesome. Round of applause for our team arguing against the motion, barista competitions are dead. So that concludes round one opening statements. We're gonna move on to round two where the debaters will uh, address each other directly and I'll ask some questions as well. So who wants to start? Like anything that you wanna rebut, address on either side? I'll, I'll, I'll restate some of, the, some of the key sort of takeaways. The four position, um, Colin and Matt, that this past year the halls were relatively empty. Only, uh, people only cared about the results. Um, Matt talked about only a few of the competitors, the top competitors actually only real, uh, realize any rewards. Um, never coached a competitor that left the competition happy. That was a, quite a zinger. Uh, repeat competitors are more about revenge than anything, and innovation has been stifled through a lot of the changes that have been happening. On the against side, uh, Steve said, trade shows make him want to kill himself, and that the competitions are proof that there's a lot of interest still. Uh, what about the current competitors? All the 60, was it 63 or 61 for this past year? Um, Jen talked about there are many competitions that are barista competitions, not just the WBC. And they might be dead in one sense, but they have new life with new people and new roles. And that competition is in our evolutionary DNA, and that will never die. So what do you think of that, Colin? Is that a compelling argument that Jen made there? It is. It is, yeah. And uh, I do think that barista competitions are, are fine, but I, I don't think it's the, the best way to do things. I think there are better ways. So recently, w one of the best baristas that I've ever worked with went to a barista competition, finished 14th. Didn't even make finals. Shocked. Uh, barista's better than I ever was. Doesn't make any sense. And they came back to me this year and said, oh, I think thinking about competing again. And I sat down with them and said, like, to my mind, we can put something in place, set some goals and standards that you can work hard at and, and apply that energy to, and you'll get a guaranteed result from it if you work hard enough. Uh, but if you do a barista competition, all sorts of subjective things can come in your way that won't guarantee you a award, and you could leave disappointed having done an excellent job. And that's not something I would invest in as, a, as an employer. S Steve, what do you think about that? The judging and other things, doesn't that sort of suck a lot of, there have been issues, judges work very hard, hard working uh, volunteers, but some of the human error, human flaws, as well as some of the, I don't want to say corruption, but some of the, the questions that have come up in different national competitions, such, doesn't that kind of suck the fun out of it? I think that, that uh, me and Colin have talked about competition a lot because we do a podcast every two weeks and it tends to come up as a topic. And something I think we both agree on is the judging is better now than it's ever been. You've said that out of your mouth, so I'll go find the podcast if did, you like. Did you mean it, Colin? The, the, no, quality, the quality of judging has got better over the years. The calibration of judges has got okay, better. Okay, so the for calibration a of judges, of which, is, which is 
an improvement on the judging. You've said that it led to a better situation. Better so than worse although is it's worse. not although it's not perfect, it's the best tool that we have. And if competitions are dead because of that, they were dead. 10 years ago, because the judging was of a, a much poorer standard then, and it's improved vastly over that time. Um, I want to address the point that Colin made about Dublin and about the lack of people in the hall. Shame on you, Dublin. Like, the, the problem with that one, you go to Bogota, you go to Melbourne, those halls were pumping. They were alive. And you went to Dublin, and people didn't turn up. Whose fault was that? Was that the venue? Was, I don't think it's the time, I think it's the place and it's the motivation for people to, to be involved in it. And I want to address Matt's part about um, that well, there's no take, innovation. Let's take, one, let's take one thing and then come back to that. Matt, were you in Dublin? I was not, but I did hear from multiple people that it was um, dead at the competition, but lively on the trade show floor. Well then, as, as a point that, why didn't you go you, yourself? That's the kind of thing that you would see, expect to see Matt Perger at. I also didn't watch a single one of the final six uh, competitors' routines. What, and why not? I, it wasn't uh, because I didn't want to, it's just because it was, didn't appear high enough on my list of priorities at the time and ever since um, to spend that time and watch them. Uh, what would have changed that for you? Uh, maybe if, 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 if your if, friends if, were in it? Or? Uh, or if maybe if one of our competitors um, was, was in the final six. Um, we had uh, three people using our coffee um, and they, they were all knocked out in various rounds. Um, so that would have been a motivation for me. Um, and that usually is the motivation in local competitions. You see um, there's almost no one at the event and then someone goes on and then people appear out of the woodwork and sit and watch this one person awkwardly right in front of them and then they disappear. And then the next competitor goes on and their family's sitting in front of them, but there's no actual crowd watching all of the competitors. So that really the only motivation is people that you know and um, there isn't any real motivation to learn from the competition because that education isn't rich and meaningful. It's, it's extremely, extremely focused on um, the relationship of that person with that single coffee. Not only that, you don't even get to taste the coffee, so you, all it is is just stories um, that bears no practical um, resemblance to anything. You can't attach anything to it um, that's meaningful apart from what you hear from those competitors. Jen, you grabbed the microphone like you have something to say. I did, because um, I kind of want to throw a question out to someone in the audience. I want to make a point, and I'd like to have some numbers to back it up. I don't actually have the numbers. Um, and there's someone here who might have the numbers. But So you didn't watch anyone, and that's cool. But there were loads of people who tuned in online. And maybe they weren't in Dublin, because maybe they couldn't afford to travel to Dublin, or maybe they had other things they needed to do. But there were a lot of people who tuned in online. Was there a cumulative time spent by those 100,000 people? Average time was 10, 15, and you said how many? 100, what thousand? 100, about 100,000 views over, the, over the four users? days or three days? Is that unique users? Yeah. Uh, and how many of those, though, were people who saw it on the main page, a live stream, clicked through, watched for a few minutes, and then, like, what the hell is this? And uh, I don't think we need to take the debate too far into me speaking on it, but um, it was a lot of the, I'd say maybe 20,000 people heard about it through livestream.com, but... Uh, most of the traffic was coming through our own social media and just kind of organic interest in the events. Um, and also just it's worth saying that 10 to 15 minutes as an average viewership is extremely long for anything on the web period. Online streaming, right? Yeah. It's one routine. Yeah. And so every, people most are videos on the, the web. person from their country. And then yeah, well, I mean, anymore. like, for example... Um, it's literally one routine. <laughs> 
If uh, what's the average uh, view length on a tamper tantrum video? Is this oh years? Is it as long as a full talk? That's that is, uh, that Alex Burnson. He's on staff. You're just on staff. WBC. That is a logical days. fallacy. Yeah. I'm going to have to call that one. But, yeah. but wait a second. I want to. I also want to come back to this idea that like you guys are, and you're you're right. It's not the best way to do things if it's the only way we have, and it's not the only way we have. But you look at the proliferation of competitions, and you look at the proliferation of events, events like this, and the the community is growing, and they're finding lots of different ways to engage with each other. And so you find the way to engage that suits you. And like when you when you go to compete, you know what you're getting into, right? You you essentially sign a covenant of like, yeah, I'm going to be judged by other people, and I'm going to get feedback, and I might not like it. And those are the rules of the game. And to come away from that, and to feel like, you know, you didn't get the feedback you wanted, and therefore you've been gypped somehow, is like. But you, you knew the rules. Like you but you didn't know that the feedback wasn't going to um, be as legitimate or as comprehensive as um, we would like it to be. Can I make a comment on the Dublin thing? Sure. It's, it's, just, no. it's, <laughs> it's in the nature of British people to oppress Irish people. So it's like <laughs> just like 800 years of it, nothing really extensive. This is what they mean by white on white crime, right? So, like, the competition at one stage was the forefront of our industry. Like, when, when WBC started, the best people in our industry were, had vested interests in this competition. And, yes, not many Irish people turned up. That's fair. There was 10,000 coffee professionals in that city. 10,000 of, like, the brightest minds of our industry. They didn't show up. They don't care. And that, that speaks volumes to me. I mean... You, you all live out there. Or they Is were that working their booth, or they were meeting with clients, and maybe it didn't rank up on the list of priorities at that time because you have a limited num amount of time in that space. But that doesn't mean it's not important to them or that they wouldn't go back and watch it later or that they wouldn't like, work with it at their local level or at their national level. And it's not just WBC. We're all competitions. I'm talking about all the competitions, everyone that I saw. Mm. Yeah, over, over the years, um, there has been a lot of variance from event to event. Very often, uh, for better or for worse, a lot of the uh, on-site attendance has been a function of the way that the show manages traffic of people. So for, uh, for SCAA show, um, the, I don't know why I'm putting to myself right now. It's just a thing. Um, at SCAA, in general, the, the, the cost, you know, you can buy a event-only pass that is, I think it's just $10 to be able to go watch the, watch the competition. And there's a lot of sort of free tickets that are kind of floating around as well. Whereas the European shows have been notoriously, you know, no, no, no offense because it's, it has a lot to do with the business model, but it's been a higher bar to be able to get into the European shows at all. Don't be bad, we're married now. <laughs> We've got married. That's then... right. Well, we still have separate bank accounts for now. <laughs> Can I also mention what it's doing for the type of coffees that it's showcasing. Because the coffees that I love are the coffees uh, that are complex and are difficult to describe. Um, and some of the coffees that, like, uh, that, like Steve would source in Bolivia are incredibly complex and hard to describe. And you can't bring them to a barista competition. You need to bring very linear coffees where this tastes like strawberry. Do you taste strawberry? Yes, get all the marks. Equally, you can't bring coffees that would be appropriate to serve to the majority of the customers. Um, in your cafe because they would be punished for not being interesting enough. So it's turning into a geisha competition, which is also true of the Brewers' Cup. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I want to come back on that because I think... No. That... <laughs> okay. Steve, go ahead. 
Um, I mean, the competition isn't dead because the rules are set in a certain way to the coffees. We've had these problems before. This is not unique. There was a time where Ethiopian below would always win. We've gone through these phases and the rules have developed and evolved. So it changes again. And all that needs is a change of rule to make that more interesting again. That's not dead. That's a problem that we need to address. Yeah, you guys keep on talking about it. Um saying the old competition is pretty dead, but this new one that's coming up is not dead. That's, that's no, like the kind of no, vibe... No, no, nobody said it's dead. Uh, she, the, Jen, and Jen said that, like, you know, the old competition is, lim is, is limited and you have, you have succeeded, succeeded to some of these points. Um, but where is the new competition? Um, and uh, it's, there's been about... I've been in competitions for uh, seven years now. Um, I've been competing on and off. And the new competition and the fixed rules are always next year, it seems. Um, which I believe is, is, is why there has been such a steady decline towards the um, opinion that some hold that it is dead. Um, and this debate isn't about whether the competition will be better, this is a debate about barista competitions are dead. What about that, Jen? Are we just putting lipstick on a pig? Are we polishing a turd, <laughs> as we say here in the States? Okay, so... I, I still feel like we're really drawing ourselves back into, uh, even, even if we're not just talking about WBC, we're talking about maybe the competitions, that, that panel of competitions that's run by WCE, but what about the Barista League, which happens in, you know, what about Nordic Roasters Cup? What about um, Coffee Masters? Like, these are all other competitions that are out there, and there are new competitions being built as we speak that don't exist within that family and don't play up and don't sort of drive things in a certain way. What about throwdowns? Like even that at a, at a particular level, like, you know, it, I feel like we're still getting stuck on this idea of, of this particular format of competition when there are lots of them. What about that, Colin? I think the fundamental thing that it comes back to is that, and I say it hurts to say this as a lover of barista competitions, but there's like 100 people in this room. So if I say, okay, we're all going to go do this thing, one of us will emerge victorious. Let's all get behind that. Let's build community. Let's build education. Let's build a progressive work environment for all of us through that method. That's, it's a hard sell. But if we talk about something like Nick Cho's uh, coffee uh, conductor system, where we could all go into, into a system and we would all emerge victorious, where we all win, we all get an accredited degree, we all get uh, a viable career in coffee, and everybody wins, that's something I can get behind. And it's a thing of like, you only have so much, we only have so much energy as an in industry. What do we push into? Do we push into this, like, this pyramid that pushes towards one person? Or do we push together collectively so that we can grow and expand that? As but are those mutually exclusive? In all competition formats currently and uh, in the near future that have been planned, they are. They're, they're separate. No, I mean, ask, ask world, a barista, world peace and the WBC are not mutually exclusive. Ask a barista who's competed to the finals of World Barista Championships if they could have went and done a, a degree course at the same time, and they will say no. It takes a huge chunk out of your life. It takes the same amount of time to do a third-level uh, degree course as it does to do a barista competition. Properly. So this, I guess it has to be asked, and it, you all haven't brought it up yet. You're both been finalists at the WBC. We were robbed, man. Like... <laughs> Those assholes. 
You we, were both we supposed, made the WDC. You were supposed to tie for first in Melbourne, both of you together. That was the plan, and it didn't happen. We paid right. the fee. Like, it just, I don't know what happened. But, you know, and, and the other side brought it up before. I think Jen brought it up. Is it that you've moved past? I mean, it, it's worth looking back. What was the value for you, and does that value persist to this day, maybe for other people? I'd say, it was, I'd say it's different now. I'd say that the value proposition has changed over the years, um, and there was a wave um, that was definitely cresting um, in 2008, you know, 2009, 2010, and that wave has, uh, it's not the third wave, um, and it won't be the last wave, um, but at the moment I think it's definitely back down to still waters in terms of, um, you know, how much support and how much uh, reward there is for the majority of the competitors, not even just the winners, but uh, for everyone. So then the, this, the uh, sorry to keep putting, taking over, but also brought up the idea that these are not the only competition, the WBC is not the only competition. And the proposition up there on the board is barista competitions are dead. There are other competitions. Is the, do you foresee, if you, know, if, if you, if you want to make the case, that there is room for something else to emerge or the WBC to evolve into something that recaptures, even if not the same sort of attention, the, the sort of larger numbers that would constitute not being dead? I, I, I want to rewind it a little from WBC and go back to regionals like that happened, for instance, in the UK. So the UK regionals, you get people that are never going to make WBC. They're never going to make the finals. They're, just, they're not going to do it. They haven't got the coffee. They haven't got the skills. They're new into coffee. They're learning. But for them, they get an opportunity to stand alongside other baristas who they respect, who have got you know, all of this knowledge to share with them. And for them, it's new. For them, they're turning up for the first time and going, oh, my God, I didn't know about this. I didn't know about this mutation. I didn't know about these other things. And all of a sudden, we're pushing their skill level forward. We're not trying to make you guys better. You're doing a good job on your own. It's about making the rest of the industry better. It's not about the, the top of the pyramid. It's about the guys at the bottom of the pyramid who need to get something from competition and still do. And if you look at somewhere like Iran, where they've, their third competition I think they had this year, it's brand new to them. It's not dead, it's just been born. And I did concede earlier that the rewards that you get, depending on your level of skill, um, are high at the beginning because you learn how to tamp straight, you learn that you need to keep your shit clean, you need to not screw things up. I put cups with liquid in them on the espresso machine in my first competition and my station management scores were zero. Uh, you know, it's those basic things you learn, but that is a very quick exponential curve and then it's just very flat from then onwards in terms of the, the benefits and the rewards that you would get from that experience, I think. Um, the these baristas that are communicating things, like mutating or whatever, um, like I, for a while, thought, okay, barista competitions, I'm not in it to win it, I'm in it to convey interesting ideas. So I would use that 15 minutes um, within the rules to convey an interesting idea and share what I'd been researching. And that was, you know, the way that I competed. Um, the lengths that I went to to try and manipulate the, my ideas into the format of the competition diminished those ideas, it watered them down, and then post-competition, I found that, oh, actually, I could, instead of doing one 15-minute um, routine a year, I could do a blog post a week um, and actually share those ideas in that way. So um, the competition format for sharing ideas and to educate um, not just our industry, but to educate, educate our customers, I think, is the completely wrong thing. Um, for us to compete against each other, perhaps it's a good thing. But any arguments about educating each other and educating consumers about coffee, I just think it's the wrong platform. Um, 
Steve, you, you talked a little bit about the interest shifting, you know, maybe from from prior prior years. Um, it, it's for those who pay close attention. It might not even be an elephant in the room that everyone's even thought about, but I have, which is, you know, we have a champion from Taiwan this year. Taiwan, if you're going to be very uh, blunt about it, is not part of the coffee worldwide, especially coffee click. You know, Berg Wu inspired a lot. I'm sure the entire specialty coffee world collectively was saying, Berg who? You know, here's a guy who is a relative unknown, except for, for a few people, that is not from the block of countries and nations with specialty coffee cultures that have traditionally been sort of the powerhouses, U.S., uh, Australia, um, the Nordic countries, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, is it that it's been shift, it's shifted away? Are we, in, by saying the breeze combinations are dead, while we're seeing more interest in places like Iran and from uh, some of the emerging uh, coffee markets in, in Asia, are we basically s saying that because, even though there's a lot of interest numerically, that because it's not that original coffee click, that it isn't, it's not relevant anymore? I think if you got you ask like the Nordic countries in two thousand seven, eight, nine, if competition was dead, they probably said yes. <laughs> and then if you said to Europe in like now, is it dead, or to Australia now, is it dead? They'd probably say yeah, because we've always gone through this, you know, it's a cycle. An sorts. area of does well for a while, and then somewhere else does well. Um, I really want to touch on the point about the education again. I'm sorry to keep dragging it back to that, and I do agree that. A, the that WBC level, the education part, is fairly minimal. Like, you don't learn a lot from the competition. But what we have to embrace is the community part of it, the community that we actually get together um, at a WBC and have fun and talk about coffee and can geek out. And if we take away competition, we start to take away those opportunities to associate, to talk to each other. And we all know the learning happens outside of the show floor. You know, when we're in a bar somewhere and we're talking to somebody and we're learning about different things that people are doing in St. Ali, you know, in 3FE, in different places, we're suddenly learning, oh, that's really interesting what you're doing there. Some people would say mailing lists were dead when you started Barista Hustle, but they're not because they're relevant to the people that subscribe, just as the competition is relevant to the people who enter them still. Colin, I'm going to let you respond to that, and then we're going to start taking questions from the audience. So I, I, I do acknowledge that there are parts of the world where it's, it's growing fast, but like there's countries in the world that have traditionally produced world champions and or people have gone very close. So look at Sweden, look at Denmark, countries like that where you go every year and they can't even fill enough people to have a semi-final stage. It's, it's diminishing in, in countries like UK and Ireland, and the, the interest is waning. So yes, in places like Iran and Taiwan, it might be very interesting at the moment, but in five years' time, there's only so much interest it can sustain for a certain amount of people. You're going to run out of countries eventually, huh? I think every country will go through a phase of being interesting and then it'll just fizzle out. It, it can only sustain itself for so long. All right, well, round of applause for our second round. <laughs> round three is going to be questions from the audience. Who has a question for our panelists? I ask that you address one side directly rather than just an open-ended question. Anyone have a question? Or, or for that matter, a, like a comment, two cents? I do, I've got a comment. <laughs> Anyone? Go for it, Sam. Here we go. All right, everyone go home now. No, just kidding. <laughs> it's not gonna be that good of a question. Uh, I want to address uh, the, uh, the phrase Gesha competition got dropped up there. Uh, and uh, I, want to, I want to address that briefly. I want to ask about that. 
it strikes me that while some people have made some very valid arguments about the importance of coffee selection, specifically in Brewer's Cup, uh, I feel like maybe the, how to put this? I feel like maybe labeling barista competition as dead on the basis of one guy winning with a Gesha this year is a little uh, premature. Uh, anyway, uh, I had hoped that maybe we could. I had hoped that maybe uh, the anti-panelists could get a little bit more in depth uh, about. Wow, I'm actually nervous asking this question. Um, I hope they could get a little bit more in depth about the. Uh, the importance or lack thereof of coffee selection in barista competitions as they currently exist. And which side are you asking this to? Uh, On the right or the left? <laughs> um, I'm, asking, uh, I'm asking Colin and Matt. Okay, so Colin and Matt. So are these one-shot sort of like flashy coffee selections, is it really enough to be the nail in the coffin of, of coffee competitions? Uh, I agree that a person winning with a, with a geisha is not enough to uh, kind of, you know, rule the whole thing out. But, like, the reality is that the top 12, like, 80% of them probably use them. Uh, there was a lot of geisha this year in both competitions, the yeah. Brewers' Cup and WBC. And Good Spirits as well. Um, could you repeat the question? Like, we can move. I mean, I think it was more of a point than necessarily a question. Let's go ahead and move on. You got, you got one? Uh, just one point on the, like the popularity thing. I know some of the more, I suppose, serious competitions have waned in popularity, but things like a bit more fun, like the AeroPress competition is getting bigger each year, and that's just about bringing people together and having fun and still making really good coffee. So that is a competition as well that's definitely growing. What about those... Matt and Colin, what about the, like AeroPress and some of the other ones that are a little bit less formal? Those seem to have a lot of interest still. Yeah, I think that the, the AeroPress competition is a good example of a competition that can draw a crowd. 99% um, of the time they have free beer and food um, <laughs> and music and uh, you never actually have to listen to the baristas doing anything and it's literally just a party the entire time with some pe and some people happen to be brewing AeroPresses um, off on the side. So with that out of the equation, um, AeroPress competitions are good and they're a good competition and I think they're, they're quite beneficial. Um, I didn't win one one year and I got so pissed off that I um, worked really hard and then I won the World Brewers' Cup so I can thank them um, for, for some re revenge motivation. And uh, I still don't think that the majority of the arguments that the, um, that the negative team put forward are answered by AeroPress competitions because there definitely isn't any education. There is community, but we could have just had that community with a ping pong competition and, a, and some free beers and a taco truck. Um, ping pong competition. And an it's also quite a restrictive competition, so there's never going to be any innovation. No one is ever going to look to the AeroPress competition for any innovations other than someone rocking up with a power drill for their, for their hand grinder, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but it's, it's, you know, it's really not a progressive competition. It's, it's, it's a rock-solid... You know, um, well, what about for the competitors, though? I mean, you see, if anyone knows an AeroPress competitor, they take that stuff really seriously during that time. They do take it seriously, but... Does that count for something? Is that life? It, it counts for a little bit, but I think that in, you know, to compare that to the other barista competitions um, where 
the, the rewards could be much greater. Um, the AeroPress competition is still such a, a, a tiny niche competition where um, the, the risk is extremely low, but the rewards are commensurately low um, that from what you can gain from it and what you could win um, if you, you know, do come first. Alex, again. Yeah, um, two things. One, I just want to put, since we're putting numbers on things, uh, put a number on the Asia influence. 40% uh, of the online viewership for the competitions in Dublin was from Asia this year. Um, so, just gives us an idea. We don't have the best records from past years, so we can't really necessarily see trends, but that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot of people, no matter how you slice it, but trend or not, there's a lot of interest. Um, but the thing I did want to ask uh, is, I know you wanted one side or the other, but I haven't heard either side mention the idea of competitions as increasing the public's impression of coffee as a skill set. Um, and I know that, you know, sort of in this golden age of competitions that we're all referring to, that was a justification that got bandied around a lot of, you know, you could tell your parents, I'm competing as a barista. And they're like, oh, maybe you're not, you know, a schmuck. Um, or you could tell a customer, oh, I was just at this barista competition. They're like, wait, there's competitions for this? So I would love to hear both sides talk about the value or lack of value, not for the industry, but how the industry presents itself to consumers. Yeah, what do you think, so, Colin and Matt? I mean, so that's you, can, the, you can say, oh, the, yeah, I'm entering this competition, and your customer, I say, oh, that's incredible. And Annie's sort of scratching at the surface, realizes that my granny could enter a barista competition if she wanted. She probably would come in the top six. But they, <laughs> like, it's... It's, it's not an achievement to do that, okay? Uh, it might seem impressive, but it's not something we can grow towards. But if you talk to your customer and say, I'm, I'm involved in a research project with the local university, that's impressive. That's something that, that builds credence in our industry. But like it or not, I think to Alex's point, you know, that public-facing audience has sort of yet to be realized, and we've been inching toward it from day one. Are you euthanizing the ant or the beast before it even has a chance to really? I don't, I don't think you need to euthanize something that's already dead. Um. <laughs> Just throw it. <laughs> yeah. No throwing, Colin, no throwing. <laughs> what do you think, Stephen? I, I think it's like, I deal, deal a lot with my business with the public. So it's, most of my sales are to the general public through website sales. And people that buy from websites who go and buy coffee are really geeks. Like, they're, they're painfully geeky. And, you know, I will get email. Oh, so you know Colin Harmon. Or, you know, I kind of, you know, do you know Matt Perger? Have you read his Barista Hustle? He says this is the latest thing. Like, and the reason that they know you guys is because of barista competition. They wouldn't have found you otherwise. And I think with the general public, yes, they may not be interested in watching the competition. People in Dublin may not want to go and watch it, but they're interested that you are the best person at making coffee in that country, and it gives you some credibility, and it gives you, a, you become a source of knowledge. That's where the blogs come in and all the other information. But you're like the most famous coffee dude I know, and they came to you. And you never entered the barista competition. No, but I wore a really red suit and a bowler hat. You, you are the king of Chemex, of, though, in fairness. I, I am the king of Chemex, and I did come third once. Was it third or second in the UK Brewers' Cup? But, like, I hung around barista competition, and you're cool rubbed up on me. It's kind of... I, I hang on to people's coattails who compete. Two more questions are going to be Dan and Joanna. I want to... I introduce go yourself. To, hi, I'm Dan. Um, hi, Dan. 
I want to speak to Colin and Matt. I mean, I think you guys are powerful rhetoricists and have made a strong case. Um, but I have like I haven't heard anybody acknowledge the fact that the reason why we all know each of those of us who know each other in this room, we all know each other because of the World Barista Competition and the global coffee community exists because that started. And I think it continues to be that nexus point that has allowed us to even start to have these conversations and to create a community that could potentially start research at UC Davis or for the Barista Hustle to exist and like for us to collaborate in that way. And it continues to be that nexus point. So to say that it's dead I mean, I, I don't know. I'm hearing a lot of personal, like, oh, well, it doesn't have as much value to me anymore, but it still occupies such a powerful space in our psyche, collective psyche, that we're having this conversation at all. I mean, it shows that it's important, right? Yeah. But we have talked about the fact that there is this ebb and flow um, that's occurring right now. Um, and we are, I think we're, we're lucky to be the affirmative on this debate because we competed... Uh, many years ago, well, not many, but like you know, three, three, four years ago. That's sort of worn. <laughs> <laughs> not making this easier. Uh, and I would, I would argue that um, you know, if someone else had won that year, then they they could have gone on to do to do their things as well, and 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 be known, and, and it would have been a nexus point. Um, but I think that the influence um, of those people who who do win, and the um, the uh, I don't want to use the word credibility, uh, maybe. Um, the inferred value um, of that title is diminishing. Um, not just because there are more World Brewster champions than there have ever been before, and there will continue to be more World Brewster champions every single year, so it is a diluting pool. Um, it's not a rare breed anymore. Um, you know, it, it's getting larger every year. Um, but I think that people are putting less value on that title as well as it becoming diluted. Um, I won't disagree with you that that is definitely a nexus point um, and that there is a community around it. Um, but I think that relative to previous years, uh, dead is a better word to use um, as a relative term. Uh, can I quickly say, so I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think the, we all know each other. We've built this wonderful network through the competitions. It was the best vehicle to get us this far. And now it's dead. We need to find a better vehicle. It's not going to get us any further. It brought us to like the edge of the forest, and now we need a helicopter or some shit. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Last hey. question, Joanna. Yes. Matt and Colin, it's Joanna. Uh, I would like Hi, to. Hi, Joanna. Hi. <laughs> I would like to talk about what it's actually doing. Where are we looking? I can't see you. Uh, I am. Will here. you stand up? Will you stand <laughs> up for a second? There she is. Hi, Hi guys. Now, I would like to talk about what it's actually doing to the culture within the company to have a competition. Say, like, since 2009, we've been competing in more or less every competition every year. And what this is doing is that it sets, like, a goal every year, like, okay, but at least, okay, Benjamin, you're going to compete in that. Nico is going to do brewers. That one is going to do that. And, like, every year, like, already now, we are talking about, like, how we could you know, how we could do what's actually relevant, like the things we talked about today, what's relevant to talk about, about the farmer, what info is relevant, and what can I do, what experiments can I do, and how can I highlight this? These guys, like, they, they I'm sorry, but they don't, they don't have a pod, they don't have a blog. If they would, like, not many people would know them yet, and for them it's like a goal, like, okay, I'm competing, and I'm um, progressing in my career. 
and becoming somewhere. Like as a business to send two baristas to Melbourne, almost devastating, like it's, it's super tough, but it's still like it gives them that little push to continue to in the career and go further. And like for me to, to say to them, like it wouldn't be a competition this year, I would truly need something, something else exactly. for them. And businesses should have something else that's internal um, to drive their employees and have a mission and have a focus that doesn't rely on an external competition to um, make their employees excited about what they do, to drive them, to push them forward. Um, otherwise, the only metric for success for your employees is whether or not four judges at a barista competition choose um, that they're doing well. And I know that you mentioned that it's not just winning, that it's also the other things moving along. There is so much more work, positive work, that could be done instead of washing the dishes and doing 15-minute run-throughs um, that those baristas could be contributing to themselves and to your business. Um, so I would argue that the competition is a simple um, solution for businesses who need to uh, make their employees enthusiastic about the work that they're doing. Um, but if we work harder, there are definitely more rewarding things that we could be doing with our time. Um, at, and that goes for people who have competed before, people who haven't competed, people who have competed once, at, you know, the whole spectrum. Jen and Stephen, what do you think of that? Is, are the competitions like a nanny that's raising the children when the parents, the shop owners, should be doing that job? It's holiday camp. I, I think that's a fantastic idea for a company the size of St. Ali that has the resources and the people to be able to do that. If you're a small coffee shop with a small team or a small roastery with a small team, how do you motivate those people when there's nobody to kind of ha have that internal competition, to have that internal project because there's not enough people? Like competition gives them the opportunity to get out of that bubble of being in that one workplace and go and meet somebody from another city, another town. And if they're really lucky to get to go and meet people from another country and be able to progress their knowledge and learn. And that trajectory can be huge for somebody like that. You've been to lots of world championships. Like you've been lucky. Lots of baristas that work in coffee shops have never had the opportunity to go to a world championships and it gives them that chance. So let's talk about rewards for small companies, like you're just saying. Would I send one of my staff members to a barista competition or to something like this? Like if you come and watch a barista competition or compete Both. in a barista competition, I don't think, I think th events like this are a far better way. Things like this and the barista camp or Reverb or any of the ones that have ripped us off. Well, this uh, is kind of a competition <laughs> and there's baristas here, so this could be one too. It's dead, we've won. Very good. Well, that's round of applause for the end of round three. So what we're going to do now is we're going to have one representative from each side give about a two-minute closing remark. And let's go, since we started the other way before, let's go ahead and start for, on the disagree side. Speaking for the opposition, Stephen Layton, go ahead. So, we talk about the lack of uh, education and innovation within the competition these days. I think you guys look back with rose-tinted glasses of how wonderful it was back then. We didn't innovate. We didn't. What we did, we got a chance to get together, and that's where the innovation happened. The social side of competition hasn't gone. It's still there, and it's still alive and well. And there's another important fact to think of. What are we going to do with those poor judges walking around with napkins and aprons on if they have no competitions to judge? It's imp judges go through a structured training to understand espresso 
um, extraction and taste and all of those things because of competition. Without that, we lose, lose the education tool of what judges can then go and take back to their workplaces. So it's not just the competitor learning, it's the judges learning. Um, and it gives us something to watch at the trade show. I don't want to die at the trade show. Um, but there is no reason for me to go if there's no competition. Um, and I want to get together with you guys and I want to say hi to you and I want to go and have beers with you afterwards. And without competition, I don't see the reason or the point to go. Um, barista competition isn't dead. It's dead to you guys. You've moved on. And that's fantastic. I'm really happy for you. Thanks. I hope you live a wonderful and happy life out in the field. Um, but for the new baristas coming through, it's still alive and well to them. Round of applause for Steve Layden. His final statement. And closing arguments on the four side. Barista competitions are dead. Matt Perger. Affirmative. Uh, We've talked about coffee competitions um, being a source of information for professionals um, and how um, baristas can't innovate to a level um, where they can, where any professionals can receive information from other professionals in a competition um, stage um, that's meaningful or progressive. Um, from the consumer's point of view, um, they don't watch, want to watch the competition, A, because it's literally the worst competitor sport to watch in the world, like the worst spectator sport, sorry. Uh, they don't get to taste the coffee. Uh, they have to sit through at, like literally hours if they want to see any difference between two competitors. That's a half an hour investment um, that they need to get involved in. Uh, there is now live scoring, um, but you still don't get to see or judge yourself as an audience member why um, there was that score given. It's just trust in the judges. Um, and speaking about trust in the judges, that risk reward that we all keep talking about is so so fickle and it's relying on four subjective humans with biases and any experiment that would ever try to make its way through peer review where you only get tested by four subjective people once at one point in time would never pass anything ever um, as as a measurement as a yardstick it's 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 really really broken um, and on the other side of that risk reward uh, is, uh, sorry, on, on the risk side of that risk-reward equation um, is the insane amount of time and money that needs to be spent that we believe should be spent on better things, um, whether your company is large or small. There's so many things that we could be doing with our time um, that aren't competition that could still result in the same level of networking, the same level of um, community benefit, the same level of progression. Um, and I think we just need to work a little bit harder and think about ways that it could be done so that it's not the summer camp for our baristas um, that we just send them to when we want to get rid of the kids for a while, um, that it's something that everyone wants to do together and it's not... We, we don't have baristas who have been put out to pasture uh, because they don't want to compete anymore. <laughs> everyone wants to be involved and you want to be involved every year because everyone wins. That would be something that's ideal and uh, without that, we believe that barista competitions are dead. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the end of the debate. I want to thank both sides. So here's what we're going to do now. We're going to vote again. So get your phones out. And it's the exact same phone number, and it's the same thing. One, if you agree with the statement, barista competitions are dead. Two, if you disagree. Three, if you stay undecided or have now become undecided. Um, we closed the original voting we, on the website. We've opened it for the second thing. And then we're going to find out in a couple minutes what...
uh, our results so are. You said it's going to be by the percentage increase, yeah? Yes, by the percentage S increase. So if, some, if we had one vote for yes, and this time we have two votes for yes, that's 100% increase. No, 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 no. It's the percentage of if like 2% voted yes in the first one, and then 4% vote in the second one, then that's a 2% increase. Okay. okay. I'm still going to yes. call How's your American accent? Is everyone voted? Is everyone still voting? Did it sends you a response, right? Like, thanks for voting or something? Has everyone been getting that? Yeah? Reply stop to opt out. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Jen, I don't know if you want to go to sort of closing, closing while we do the last little yeah. bit. with me. That was unplanned. <laughs> I've got them. I've got them, Carl. I can share with you. Look, okay. we can share. We're friends again now, remember? Shut up, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So we have some thank yous to make. We have to do these because it's important. And we do really mean these thank yous as well, unlike thanking... No, we just mean the thank yous. Um, first of all, I'd like to thank our host partners, Taylor Street. An amazing job today. Amazing food. <laughs> Of course, it's Andrew for letting us use the space and Damaris and Coco for helping us organise. Um, yep, so the, the rest of the staff have put up with all the kind deliveries during the lunch rush as well, which is very important to us. Um, so, yeah, everybody here that's helped and us. Sarah there. as well. We've got to Sarah. Sarah. Yeah, that's on there. Sarah for making lunch as well. Yes. Thank you, Sarah. Yeah. Um, our title sponsor, Chemex, uh, who's, uh, they've been really great. So Elisa, our main contact, who took a chance on us, and Megan, the designer, who bounced ideas back and forth at Jen for the artwork and these amazing posters. Just a round of applause for Chemex and a round of applause for that poster, because I think it's <laughs> definitely going on my wall. Um, a big thank you to the guys in the T-shirts standing behind the cameras. Um, foolishly about... Three, four years ago, I met them, and since then, I've pestered them, and they followed me to the other side of the world to video us this time. They do an amazing job post-editing the videos as well. So we've got Mike on sound over there. We've got James on the camera there, and Sam on the camera over there. Please, a big round of applause for our baby crew. Hold on. So we can't have coffee unless hot water is delivered. So our hot water delivery partner, see what I did there, uh, is Bun Commercial. Uh, so Lena and our team for organizing the uh, partnership with us and Paul and Dan for being amazing and helping us with the setup because I've been to many a coffee event with no water delivery and it's been terrible. So thank you very much for that. We thank really you, appreciate it. Also, thank you to our grinder partner, Baratz, uh, Joyce and her team for just organising the, uh, the grinders to be here and uh, them all, all working. Because without grinding, Matt, you wholeheartedly endorse quality grinding. Just, just say yes. Just grinding. Just grinding. <laughs> so a big round of applause, please, for Baratz. Yeah. Our equipment partner, the always beautiful Akaya Scales, and always very functional as well, not just beautiful. Um, beautiful. So, they, uh, so Jen Chen and the team at Akaya have been wonderful and uh, making sure that all of your brews have been brewed precisely, uh, which is uh, very much appreciated. So big round of applause for Akaya. 
And of course, our coffee partners, we're going to ask you to give these a round of applause at the end, because there are a few of them. But uh, we'd like to thank Counterculture Coffee. We've got uh, Rochelle, Ryan, and the rest of the uh, Counterculture team for organising there. Uh, and Ryan and Corey for brewing the coffee. And then uh, Madcap Coffee, which is Trevor and his team for organising, and Colin and Selena for, uh, for brewing the coffee. Uh, Irving Farm, uh, Dan and his team for organising, and Michael and Rochelle for brewing. Uh, Intelligentsia, so Marcus and his team for organising, and uh, Kaylee and Jennifer for brewing. Uh, Noble Tree Coffee, uh, Nigel and his team for organising, and Andy and uh, Ryan for uh, brewing. Uh, Neat Coffee, so that's Kyle and his team for organising, and Kyle, maybe again, uh, and Sabina for brewing. So a big round of applause for all of our coffee partners. And again, they're all selling bags of coffee down there. So if you're going back home and you want to bring some treats, do buy bags of coffee from them. Uh, our we should speakers. thank our speakers. Yes. Yeah, yeah they were uh, very good. Apart from Matt. He's yeah. run, Matt did all right, though. It wasn't yeah, that bad. Nah, I liked okay. him before yeah, now. It's fine, yeah. Yeah, so I think, honestly, uh, I probably say this every time, but this time I mean it. I think that was like the strongest lineup of speakers. Everybody put in, you can always tell how much work they put in. And I think everybody put in a huge amount of work, which is really, really great. And um, I think this time, more than any time, we've, we've seen some really important things discussed this week. So like much love from all of us at Tamper Tantrum. We really appreciate all that. And uh, a huge round of applause for the speakers. Yeah. <laughs> so the and I think um, a special thank you to Nick, who has uh, not only presented, but also moderated the two panels um, this, this morning, this afternoon. Big round of applause for Nick Cho. Uh, at this stage, most of you will have met Dale Harris, because he's that kind of guy. If you haven't, go and find Dale and have a chat with him. So Dale Harris for working with Jen and our partners to put today's show together. He's been running around behind the scenes of TT shows for years. But this really won't have been possible without his help. And uh, Dale is one of those people that just makes stuff happen. And we're really appreciative of all the work that he's put in. Yeah. And, and for this one, I'd, I'd like to thank you, Colin, first of all. It's, oh, thanks, Steve. Yeah, it's, like, it's nice when you come. That's weird, because I'd like to thank you. You too. Oh, yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. Oh, thank you. But I really want lots of noise for this one. A huge thank you to Jennifer. Uh, Jen, behind the scenes, just makes it tick. And there's a party, an unofficial after party, where you can buy Jen a drink to say thank you for all of the work she's done. Beer. Beer. Um, it's going to be coffee downstairs until six, and then we're going to... Where is it? Ground? Foreground. Uh, where we can go and have beer and nibbles and do all the association things because competitions are apparently dead. So we need to find somewhere new to associate. Um, so that's going to be lots of fun. We need to get out of here at 6pm because Taylor Street have got to open tomorrow at 6am and all their furniture is about four blocks down. So, um, yeah. Uh, if you don't already know, these uh, talks will all be released on videos over the next coming weeks and months as well. So do... Look them up, send them to your friends. Lots of really important topics being discussed there. So I think uh, it's a great uh, reservoir of knowledge to help people progress through our industry much better than barista competitions ever would. Never already voted. Oh, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we have our results. Oh, no. Okay. So, again, it's going to be percentage agree 
a percentage disagree and a percentage undecided. So for the first vote, before the uh, debate, we had 44% agreed with the proposition, 46% disagreed, and 10% uh, undecided. Again, the team that gains the most percentage points will be declared the winner, and the losing team will have to read this in their, these Yelp reviews, cafe Yelp reviews, real reviews in their best American accents. Let's go ahead and see the second one. The agree team went down by nine points. The disagree gained 2% and undecided. More people became undecided. The winner is the disagree team of Jen and Steven. I can't wait for this. So uh, I'm going to give this to you. So one of you read number one, and then the other one can read number two in your best American accents. Any specific states, or? You pick uh, your, fa pick your favorite one. I'm gonna go with Cali. So like the only main reason I wanted to check Wrecking Ball out is because I saw an Instagram by my favorite fashion blogger that was shot here. But there was barely any seating, so don't expect to be able to work here and plan on getting coffee to go. Honestly, the coolest part about this place was the sciency pour-over stuff and the pineapple wallpaper. <laughs> I really want to like this place. I love the vibe and the barista was just super friendly, but their coffee is just so-so and really expensive. Three stars. <laughs> Real, real Yelp reviews. Like, real Yelp reviews. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> Wrecking ball. Oh, you are so cute inside. <laughs> I don't know. Philadelphia. I, I want to love you so much, so I order a, la a, la a latte at <laughs> The latte was so delicious. It really was the perfect blend of froth and coffee flavor. And the cortado was served in a cup <laughs> just a bit smaller than a latte, but it tasted like a smaller latte. Don't get me wrong, it was really delicious too. <laughs> Actually, everything was pretty great, and I wanted to give it five stars, but I really hate those blowy hand dryers they had in the bathroom. Three stars. Ladies and gentlemen, call. <laughs> Thanks, guys. That was great. Uh, I thought like New York. That was supposed to be New York. Oh. Friday and there. <laughs> wasn't. <New Delhi. laughs> uh, I have nothing more to say. <laughs> Thank you all very much for coming. You've been amazing. It's been lots of fun and. Um, Thank you for letting us to come to America. It's been, been emotional. <laughs> and delicious! <laughs> Good night, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs>